This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Law School Show. My name is Sabrina Duick, and today I am joined by Carolyn Eyre, who works as a Crown Prosecutor for the Specialized Prosecutions Branch in Calgary. Thank you so much for joining me, Carolyn. Well, thanks for having me, Sabrina. So today's topic is the duties of the Crown Prosecutor in the adversarial system and the administration of justice. There are many concepts in today's society about what it is to be a prosecutor. I'm hoping to discuss some of these concepts as well as kind of get into a little more detail about what it really is to be a prosecutor in Canada. So first, I would just like to talk a little bit about your personal experience as a lawyer. Were you always interested in practicing criminal law? Was that kind of what you went into law school with the intention of doing? Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, it is. I started out um, wanting to be a forensic psychologist but then discovered that it would be pretty hard to get a job to do that. So there was that going on while I was doing my undergraduate degree. And I was working part-time for the Winnipeg Police Service. And uh, it was a result of a combination of those two things that I decided that I wanted to pursue a career in criminal law. That's awesome. So given this interest, a career as a prosecutor makes sense. But you actually practiced as a defense lawyer before you joined the Crown's office. What initially drew you to defense work? A couple of things. Uh, First, again, with my experience working for the Winnipeg Police Department, I saw a lot of um, racist policies and a lot of racism going on with regards to uh, Winnipeg. That's where I grew up, has a large, uh, very large Indigenous population. And so because of that factor, plus I um, decided I wanted to try and make a difference in somebody's life. And so the combination of those two things led me to wanting to become a defense lawyer. So actually, when I went to law school, I did so with uh, initially the explicit um, uh, interest in becoming a defense lawyer. So. So what was your experience as a defense lawyer like then? Uh, Being a defense lawyer, uh, very different than being a Crown. Um, A lot of people forget about the human element of being a defense lawyer. I think being a defense lawyer is a much more uh, broad type of a practice because being a Crown, you don't have to deal with a lot of the same issues that you do as being a defense lawyer. For example, you don't really have to deal with clients on a day-to-day basis like you do being a defense lawyer. Um, being a crown, you don't deal with accused persons in the same uh, extent that you do as being a crown. Plus, with having uh, being a private lawyer, most defense lawyers are in private practice. So there are a lot of issues there as far as practice management, financials, and those kinds of things that you don't really have to deal with uh, when being a crown. One thing that um, I did really notice in moving from defense to crown is that With being a crown, you get to focus more on the law, whereas being a defense lawyer, you have to focus on more of the um, on more of the human elements and some of those other factors like practice management and that sort of thing that I previously mentioned. So what would you say is the main reason you decided to become a defense lawyer? 
I would say what made me be defense is wanting to make a difference in somebody's life. That um, being a defense lawyer, you get to know your clients, you get to know their families, and you really get to feel like you're helping somebody out of a pretty, uh, pretty bad situation. So I, I would say that was what was the main reason. For sure. So what would you say then made you leave defense? I ended up leaving because of stress. I had a very uh, dynamic practice. And as I said, the human element of wanting to help people can sometimes overwhelm you. Um, and uh, I just uh, couldn't keep up anymore. So between uh, the stress of trying to manage a very, very large practice, um, uh, coupled with I was actually the victim of uh, abuse uh, from the bench, uh, uh, verbal uh, verbal abuse from the bench. So that as well exacerbated my um, my symptoms that I was starting to uh, have with regards to the stress and how it was impacting me. And I just got to the point where I had enough, and I just couldn't couldn't face dealing with clients anymore, couldn't face picking up the phone call and couldn't face going to court uh, was becoming more and more difficult for me. So it was time to uh, pack her in. And I did. That makes perfect sense. So what brought you to Alberta and more specifically to the Crown's office here in Calgary? So after practicing, I was a defense lawyer for over 17 years, um, close to 18. and. Um, when I decided it was time to go, it was really time to go. I had a ceremony and I burnt my legal robes. Um, my husband and I, we sold everything that we owned. Uh, this was in Ontario. We bought a business in Mexico and went to Mexico for a while to try and start anew there. That didn't work out. And so we came back um, because we had sold everything in Ontario and we had really no other connections there. We came back to Winnipeg and uh I considered other things to do and couldn't think of anything else I really wanted to do but practice law, uh, criminal law. And lo and behold, uh, one day in the newspaper in the Winnipeg Free Press was a full page or half page ad for the Alberta Crown looking for Crown prosecutors. And so not wanting to face defense practice again, really, if I wanted to stay in criminal, being a Crown was pretty much, uh, you know, one of my only options. So I applied and then within three weeks I was hired to, to start as a crown. So. Wow. That's really quite the uh, story. <laughs> <laughs> Not typical. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So as a crown then with the specialized prosecutions branch, what does your day to day look like? So uh, the Crown's office, as you can imagine, where I am in Calgary, is divided into a number of groups and units. Uh, as you've already said, mine is what's called the Specialized Prosecutions Branch. There are three areas of law that are prosecuted by uh, specialized prosecutions, uh, those being organized crime, uh, frauds in excess. I think their bottom is like $500 million or more of frauds and uh, tech crime, which is where I am. So depending on where you are, your day can look very different. Um, being in specialized prosecutions, you get to manage your own practice. We have file ownership, which means that a file gets specifically assigned to me and I carry that file from start until finish. 
that may not necessarily be the same as uh, some of some of the crowns in the general prosecutions branch, which does the majority of the prosecutions. So my day can vary depending on what is what is at hand. Um, the advantage of this is that I have I carry about uh, 25 files at any one time, and depending how many um, files. I have or how serious or how big they are, you know, can really impact your day. But from a day-to-day -day standpoint, every day is a little bit different. I spend quite a bit more time in the office than I used to do, um, just because I don't have the sheer volume uh, that I used to have as a defense lawyer. Uh, so days can either be uh, going into court uh, in person, as now with COVID, those are uh, becoming more and more limited. Uh, doing uh, appearances, court appearances. Uh, but I would say this part of this job is a lot more, uh, do a lot more legal writing because of the nature of our files. We do written uh, resolution offers on every file uh, because they are so detail oriented. We also draft agreed statement of facts. And we do a lot of sentencing briefs because of the uh, numerous issues in sentencing in our matters. So a day can be spent jumping from any one of those uh, tasks um, to just one of them. So uh, like today, I'm just, I have an office day. So I'm working on doing some letters, uh, some resolution letters, reviewing files and those type of things. And then on Thursday, I am heading off to um, Medicine Hat. Uh, to do a guilty plea. So we also, our unit, we cover areas from all, all the way from Red Deer uh, to the border. So we get to go on the road a lot too. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's really, it, it varies. It's, it's a very dynamic, very different day. So. so how much time would you say you spend at the courthouse then? Well, the nice thing about being in specialized prosecutions is that when you go into a courtroom, you um, Quite often, uh, the, the judge and all the parties know that you're there to handle one particular case, one particular file, and in a lot of cases that you've traveled from out of town to appear on that matter. So we often get called early on. So I would say I don't spend an inordinate amount of time in court like I used to. Um, when I was a defense lawyer, I spent pretty much all day every day in court. It was a good day uh, when I didn't have to spend all day in court. And so that's not really here. I would say for me, on average, um, probably a couple hours of week, a week um, in court overall. But then again, if you're you know, doing more trials and that type of thing, you know, that can really affect that. For but sure. On average, I'd say a couple hours a week. So I'm wondering if you could go into a little bit more detail about how your experience as a Crown has been different from your experiences as defense lawyer. Sure. And again, I think for me, um, the most significant difference is dealing with your clients. Uh, as a defense lawyer, you have to take your instructions from your client. And so everything, all the moves that you do and all the steps that you take in the process have to be uh, discussed with your client uh, and, and the ultimate decision rests with your client and not with you. So as you can imagine, uh, because I don't have to face that, I get to choose how I prosecute a file, 
how I do it. I don't really have to take instruction or um, follow any um, anyone else's uh, guidance. Um, and where, it, as a defense lawyer, it can become particularly um, dif difficult is if, let's say, you give your client a certain opinion about something and your client doesn't want to acknowledge that opinion. Or let's say you give your client particular advice on how to proceed in the matter and they totally disregard your advice and want to do something anyway. Uh, those are uh, some of the more some of the more challenging uh, things that you face as being a defense lawyer. Um, but um, again, you have to do what your client says. And so sometimes it becomes difficult to go in and fight a case uh, when, in your opinion, it's it's a loser, for lack of a better term. And, and obviously, as you can imagine, um, clients, a lot of them, come to you with a lot of baggage. Um, I dealt a lot. I had a quite a large practice of people that have had mental health disorders and or uh, addiction issues. So unfortunately, um, oftentimes the defense lawyers not only are our clients' counsel, as in our lawyers, but you also become their best friends, their social workers, and their nursemaids because you uh, have want to and help them. And I think that that's something that um, is true for the majority, if not most, defense lawyers is they want to help people, and so. Um, so that is hard and and it's it's difficult um, learning to accept you know some things that happen with your clients and trying to maintain that sense that line between showing a personal interest in your client but not getting emotionally involved it's it's uh, it's a really hard line, and I think a lot of younger lawyers uh, really uh, struggle withdrawing that line. I myself have have done that numerous times. And and even if you put up that wall to try and uh, prevent yourself from becoming emotionally involved with your clients, you inevitably do. Um, you know, I have a lot of clients that I still think about regularly and I cry for them because, you know, they've lost their lives to addiction or that kind of thing. So so for me, it's the client aspect that is the major um, difference between between those things. So, so what then would you say is the most enjoyable aspect of your job? Well, I have to tell you that um, the type of prosecutions that I do um, involved uh, primarily online child sexual exploitation, um, and so when you get when justice is served. Uh, when an accused person is uh, convicted and sentenced, um, it does bring a sense of uh, a different sense of satisfaction than does getting an acquittal for your client or that type of thing. Um, because you do, as a Crown, have sort of a broader societal interest, um, it, does, it does make you feel pretty good that you are doing something that I think most citizens um, admire you for, right? Whereas being a defense lawyer, not everybody likes a defense lawyer. I, I've been, you know, I've been accused several times of, of, you know, being a defense lawyer and how could I do what I do and, and that kind of thing. And you just don't really face that quite as much 
uh, being a Crown Prosecutor. It's quite a respectful position uh, in society. So, What do you find to be the most challenging aspect of your job? Um, the most challenging part, I think, for me is making uh, the tough decisions on the files. And when I say the tough decisions, the tough decisions that, in my view, um, are most difficult is um, where you don't have a great case and you have to consider whether you're going to even proceed with the prosecution or not. Um, and, and informing victims and their families sometimes of the hard decisions that you make in terminating a prosecution or in resolving it for, let's say, a peace bond or some, some other kind of disposition. Um, and so that, that, is, that is the most challenging thing. I mean, it's very easy for a Crown to just go in and say, okay, I'm just going to run this trial whatever, I don't care. Like, what happens, happens. Um, and I, I don't, well, one, the Crown's really not supposed to um, look at matters that way. Uh, um, but, you know, inevitably, uh, some of us do when we're faced with making tough decisions, right? It's easier to have the judge make the decision for us. Um, but we, uh, I really, as a Crown, wouldn't want to put an accused person through a trial if I didn't really firmly believe that there was a reasonable prospect um, of conviction. So for me, that is the most difficult thing to do. Do you ever find it difficult not to let your personal feelings get in the way of your job? For me, as a Crown, no. Uh, I've never had any issues again with 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 dealing with that, but I do have some colleagues that, once again, given the nature of the types of prosecutions that we do, um, they just could not uh, prevent their personal viewpoints of the offenders from affecting their um, ability to make decisions, you know, um, and yeah, that type of thing. So. So it does happen, but, um, you know, I think because I was a defense lawyer, more so as a defense lawyer, it's it's more difficult to not let your personal feelings again get in the way again because you've made those personal relationships with your clients, um, you know. So I think that having had that experience in the past makes it much easier for me as a Crown to maintain that uh, sense, that, you know, emotional distance. That makes sense. Yeah. And I should say that as a crown, if you feel that you are being, your emotions are impacting your decision making or that sort of thing, uh, it's best that you you give up the file and let somebody else for handle sure. it, right? So. so now I would like to move on to more general questions about what the role of a crown prosecutor is in the Canadian justice system. Okay. All right. What would you say is the main duty of a crown prosecutor? Um, to... Uh, you know, prosecute um, crimes. Um, so let me tell you, as a Crown or Crown prosecutor, I am an agent of the uh, Attorney General of, of, of the province. Um, and so I am actually acting on behalf of the Attorney General in uh, prosecuting offenders. Um, 
So yeah, I would say that, you know, the Crown's main duty involves prosecuting files uh, and duties and and those responsibilities um, in prosecuting uh, prosecuting files on behalf of the uh, agent of the Attorney General. So we prosecute persons under the Criminal Code, the Youth Criminal Justice Act, uh, provincial statute offenses. So there is a concept in society that a Crown prosecutor is merely someone who puts the bad guys away. What would you say in response to this? I would say that is uh, completely not true at all. Um, I see uh, prosecutors as promoting justice as much as you can, um, you know, uh, promoting uh, integrity and fairness, you know, when prosecuting offenders. Uh, we actually, as Crowns, have a Crown, um, a, a manual that we have to um, follow with our roles. So that really, that does, that does help. Right. So let me just talk to you sort of generally about the duties and responsibilities of a Crown I'm not the best at words, so I'm going to use somebody else's words. Um, And these are from uh, Justice Rand of the Supreme Court of Canada in a seminal case known as Boucher and the Queen. And I think that Justice Rand put this very uh, eloquently. Um, It cannot be overemphasized that the purpose of a criminal prosecution is not to obtain a conviction. It is to lay before a judge or a jury what the Crown considers to be credible evidence relevant to what is alleged to be a crime. Uh, counsel have a duty to see that all available legal proof of the facts is presented, and it should be done firmly and pressed to its legitimate strength, but it must also be done fairly. The role of prosecutor excludes any notion of winning or losing. Uh, a prosecution, a prosec- prosecutor's function is a matter of public duty um, is a matter of public duty than which uh, civil life there can be none charged with greater personal responsibility. It is to be efficiently performed with an ingrained sense of the dignity, seriousness, and justness of judicial proceedings. Wow, that is very well put. Yeah, why mess with perfection? If somebody else can say it better than I can, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. So I think that answers your your question in in that, you know, crowns are not not there to put the bad guy away. Right. So then I guess in your experience, how can you ensure that your main job description remains the administration of justice rather than convicting the criminal or putting the bad guy away? I think it uh, has to do with your focus. Um, again, and I'm using, again, a lot of the parallels between Crown and Defense because we have these easy parallels that we can make. When you are a, a defense lawyer, your focus of your prosecution is your client, right? Whereas when you are a Crown, your focus of the prosecution is the evidence and the facts, right? Um, so that's how you make sure that you're... Um, not out there convicting convicting a criminal or putting a bad guy away because you really are just focusing on the evidence that's been put for you and does it substantiate the um, criminal criminal charges and the criminal conviction so that 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 to me um, again speaks to you're not out to convict the criminal or put the bad guy away 
you're just out there. You, you, as a crown, you're more there to assist the judge right? in making his or her decision. I think that's really a good way to think about it. You are there to lay out all of the evidence, make your arguments on the evidence that you feel uh, are the appropriate and right arguments mm-hmm. uh, f- to assist the judge in coming to a just uh, and appropriate decision. So. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a really good way to describe it. I've never heard it described um, in that way, but I really appreciate that. So, so to what extent then would you say the Crown Prosecutor works with rather than against the Defence Counsel? Um, because it is an adversarial uh, process, uh, you know, it varies between uh, Defence Defense Counsel and, and Crown Counsel. Um, I certainly um, try to work together uh, with crown with defense lawyers, um, but it doesn't always work that way. Uh, you know, there's personality conflicts and those types of things. But I think the right relationship and the right way to approach it is that you defense ca- defense and crown counsel are both, although we're adversarial, we're both seeking the same thing—a just decision and outcome for the accused person. Um, and so, you know, we try to work together to, uh, resolve files. Um, we, we get a lot of, uh, we, we work, we try and work together, um, as much as we can, uh, in trials, but trials are a much more adversarial, um, procedure. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of live by the, um, old, Wives' tale, I guess we'll call it. You get more flies with honey than vinegar. And so I always try and, um, you know, have a good working relationship uh, with counsel as much as possible, you know, taking into account their personal, you know. Of course. Personal issues and that sort of thing. um, And try not to take things, uh, you know, like lack of response um, seriously. For sure. But I do think that... um, working together um, is makes the process much, much easier and much less stressful than if you're butting heads with everybody all the time. But then again, you have to remember that no matter what the lawyer says, if his client or her client gives an instruction, you know, that's contrary to what the lawyer thinks that the, uh, you know, the, the defense lawyer has to follow what their client says. And I think that some crowns who've never been a defense lawyer right. really lack a true understanding of that particular factor. I see a lot. I hear a lot of my colleagues blaming defense counsel for certain tactical moves that are done or not done in a file. And um, I think that if they were had been a defense lawyer, they may understand that they're taking those steps, not because they necessarily want to or believe in the, um, believe that they will be successful or that sort of thing, but that's the steps that their client told them to take. So you have to kind of recognize that, I think, particularly from the Crown perspective, dealing with defense lawyers, is that uh, in some ways, defense lawyers' hands are a little bit tied as far as how they would manage or run that particular file. So. so I guess then you you would say that having experience as a defense lawyer has been beneficial to you in working with defense counsel. 
Definitely. When I first moved to Alberta and became a Crown Prosecutor, I can tell you the first few sentences that came out of my mouth, I told them that I was a defense lawyer for 17 years. (laughs) (laughs) Because they know that I understand their position, right? Uh, they know that, you know, I uh, have been in their shoes. <laughs> um, and it really seemed, in my view, to um, to deflate any sense of trepidation they may have may have in dealing with a crown that they, you know, that they don't know or that kind of thing. Right. So. And yes, I do believe that experience on either side, whether you move from being a defense lawyer to a crown or vice versa, makes you better no matter which position you end up doing. So for sure, that makes total sense. Yeah. So would you say that that there were some experiences and and lessons that you learned as a defense lawyer that you were able to carry over into your position as a crown prosecutor? Um for sure. But again, because the focus is so different, it actually took me quite a bit of time to adjust my thinking and my mindset okay. to, to, from a defense lawyer to, uh, to, being, to being a crown. Um, you know, um, so, and what lessons did I learn? I would... Um, Again, because so much that I learned from um, being a defense lawyer was so much more out of the courtroom than it was in the courtroom. (laughs) Um, But certainly, you know, being a defense lawyer teaches you how to deal with a variety of of individuals on a day to day basis. Um, uh, uh, Teaches you practice management. Uh, because not only as far as doing your own scheduling, so that certainly helped me for this job here. Uh, you know, when you learn to manage a large dynamic practice, um, moving here certainly does help, um, even though you, you probably don't have as much to deal with as a crown than you do being a defense lawyer. Um, so it teaches you a lot about practice management tools, dealing with, uh, different types of personalities and peoples. Um, and I would say probably those are, you know, the main uh, experiences that I had as defense lawyer that helped me as being a crown. Awesome. So now I just wanted to ask you um, questions that are a little bit more specific to law students, since this is in fact the law school show. Yeah. So first of all, what did you find helped you personally get through law school? Um, I'm a get it done now kind of person. For me, what helped me the most to get through law school was attending every lecture and not only attending there physically, but being there listening and writing my notes, um, and just keeping on top of everything day to day. Um, and again, this is where the practice management skills, in my view, start to come into play. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I had a lot because I started law school. I was a little bit older and I had worked and, and you know, juggled school and part-time jobs in undergrad and that kind of thing. Um, so I did 
was starting my my practice management at that point in time. Um, but I think, yeah, it really teaches you to um, manage and manage your time, prioritize tasks. Uh, I think that that's a big a big thing as well. And uh, what I think you might discover moving in from first to second year is first year is completely overwhelming. A lot of reading. Uh, you don't know what's expected of you. When I went to law school, there was a big push to change the writing style of lawyers because previously it had been very verbose and, uh, you know, you've read some of those old cases, like one line is like a whole paragraph long. So there was really a move to get back to writing in plain, normal language. So for me, it also involved teaching me how to write again. Uh, teaching you how to critically examine things and to write again. So I think um, that kind of uh, helped helped as well. So For sure. To get through law school. And a great partner and some support systems is there as well. So Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely learning that support systems are super important, um, especially these days. So what is something that you believe law students should know when they're trying to decide which side of criminal law they would like to pursue, defense or prosecutions? Well, I think the reality is, is, um, you know, you have to look at what, what you personally want to um, get out of it. You know, I've sort of got this theme here of, do you want to deal with clients on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, every day helping people out of their problems, um, continually to help people out of their problems. <laughs> and the reason that I say that is because, you know, you can work really, really hard on helping a person address their problems, but then you turn around and they don't do it. So, you know, you have to be able to face, to face that kind of thing. So there's that aspect is the aspect of dealing with clients. You obviously have to deal with their family members deal with their personal issues. Um, so you have to be ready to do that. Dealing with them, taking their phone calls, you know, all, all types of, all times of day and night, be those personal phone calls from your clients or phone calls from uh, the police station and that sort of thing. So there's the, there's the personal aspect of that. And then there's also too, with being a criminal, a defense lawyer, there's the business aspect. Um, when you are a defense lawyer, you have to keep track of your time because how you get paid is by billing your time. And so you have to learn how to, again, and this is part of practice management, is find a system that works for you that you can keep track of your, of your time as well. And you have to also be prepared to not get paid for all of the time you put in a file. Um, and you also have to be prepared that. Um, you may have a client uh, base that are primarily uh, not wealthy individuals. Uh, so you're looking at uh, taking a lot of files being paid on uh, legal aid. And legal aid rates are far less than what you would charge a client privately. Um, and so because of that fact as well, 
you don't always get a steady paycheck, right? Um, unless you're, if you're on your own, which most criminal defense lawyers are on their own, um, you know, are you good at managing your money? Um, because you might have to do that. Like who would have thought about this pandemic and the impact it's had on criminal defense lawyers and their practices? I know that there have, as a result of that, been a huge influx of young, of young defense lawyers coming to the Crown side. And although I don't really know, I would suspect that one of the reasons is because being a Crown offers you a steady paycheck, right? Um, but then again, as well, being a Crown, you don't always get to pick and choose your, your files or your matters. As a defense lawyer, you do. Um, uh, so there is another aspect of that as well. Do you want to be able to pick and choose or do you want to just, here you go. Um, as a crown, um, you don't have as much control over your day-to-day -day practice. I have to request vacation days and re request vacation time to take time off. As a defense lawyer, you don't have to do that. Um, and... Uh, and as well, although you get a steady paycheck, you can very easily get at the top tier of what you're being paid and you won't get paid anymore no matter how much knowledge and experience you have gained. Whereas if you're a defense lawyer, you can charge whatever you want for a file. You, you don't have uh, as much of a ceiling on the earnings that you can make, um, you know? Right. So... So that so so those kinds of things, those are the kinds of things that you would want to. Where are you going to get the best if you want to get a well-rounded experience? Mm -hmm. You might not necessarily get that with a crown as a crown prosecutor or um or a defense lawyer. You'd have to look at the firm that you're going to. Um I know that some of the some of the crowns, some of the uh excuse me, young defense counsel that have moved over to the crowns. That was one of the reasons was that they didn't really get to practice law because uh, you kind of, as a defense lawyer, have to put in your dues, right? It's pretty difficult to go out on your own. A lot of defense lawyers start by working with another defense lawyer. And what you're getting from that other defense lawyer is going to be a lot of the, the crumbs and crappy cases. And you don't really, you can't really get into the heart and, and meat of files necessarily. That you would as if you, that when you become a crown and you can do a trial, you know, and you have much more um, real experience in the courtroom and litigating than you may have as a defense lawyer. But again, once time comes and you're taking on your own files as a defense lawyer and that sort of thing, um, you may get a better, more well-rounded well experience than if, let's say, you're in the impaired driving unit in general prosecutions, and that's all you do. But you do, as a crown, you do have movement to be able to, to go elsewhere. And that's the other thing with being a crown is there's lots more opportunity to do things other than just being a crown. Oh, for sure. Within, you know, within government and that sort of thing. So, right. So there's a few things. <laughs> <laughs> so what general advice would you give to a student who hopes to become a Crown Prosecutor right out of law school? Well, be prepared. It's, 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 it's tough. 
um, I'm pretty sure I'm not, I don't know the statistics, but I would imagine that there's a lot of people who apply, um, then who get taken in. So you got to be prepared and you got to think what would, what's going to set me apart um, from the other students. Um, I actually, when I was in law school, I was on the um, admissions committee. I was the student representative of the admissions committee. So I do have a little bit of experience looking at large volumes of applications. Now, the applications that I looked at at that point in time were only for mature students. Everybody else was just in based on their LSAT scores and their grades only. Um, but I can tell you, you know, uh, from my perspective, grades matter. Um, but not to a great extent. I think if you're in the curve, you're okay. Uh, but I think for me, uh, extracurricular activities really are what set uh, some people set stupid people apart um, and I and you don't necessarily have to keep your extracurricular activities limited to law school stuff certainly law school stuff does help but I think having a broader range of experience and showing that you are much more versatile is something that would stand out as well um, but having never really hired an articling student or a summer student here, I really don't know exactly um, what uh, what they what the criteria are in that sort of thing. So I'm not really the best person to to speak to that generally. But I would just say, unfortunately, the more you do, the better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've definitely heard that uh, prosecutions is pretty competitive right out of law school. So, yeah, yeah. So, so personally, my goal is to become a crown prosecutor. And I've been asked a number of times why I want to make a career out of depriving people of their freedom, which um, is is obviously not not the reason I want to become a crown prosecutor. But I'm just wondering when a student is asked something like this, what would you recommend they respond with? Or how, what advice would you have for somebody in, in this sort of situation? Well, you, I would say that a good crown is actually going to do the complete opposite. Right. A crown who does their job and does it well prevents the uh, convicted of factually innocent people. Right. Um, and, uh, and so there's that and crowns do a lot of good too. You can't just focus on the worst of the worst who are the ones that go into custody. The, the individuals who actually serve jail time are a small portion of the number of cases that go through the courts. Um, you know, so there is a lot of, uh, focus on, on assisting um, individuals, uh, uh, and, um, and that type, and that thing. So I think those two points would be, would, are very good is that, you know, your job is to make sure that an innocent person doesn't get wrongfully convicted. Right. Right. And do your best to do that. And like I said, it's a very, very small percentage of, of, of offenders who actually serve, serve jail times. So, you know, 
you're doing uh, a lot more good in a different way. Imagine how lawless society might be otherwise too. Oh, for sure. Right. So does that, does that help? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for chatting with me today, Carolyn. And I'm sure that law students will really appreciate your candor and willingness to talk about your experience. The administration of justice is, is just such an important topic. And I truly believe that it's, as the next generation of lawyers, it's our responsibility to pursue it with vigor. Anyway, thank you all so much again for listening in this episode of the Law School Show. And I will look forward to talking to you next time. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and now on Spotify, or on our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter for the latest updates. Human stories, new legal topics, and career-advancing advice right to your earbuds. Catch it all here, next time on The Law School Show.